Twin Cities. This is Wesley Wright, your Unbougie Foodie. <laughs> we are coming to you live from WEQY 104.7 FM, the voice of the East Side. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I was just trying to understand about we're having some difficulties or whatnot. I'm not sure what that is, but hopefully it'll resolve itself shortly. Uh, anyway, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in uh, to the show. Every, you know, this show is a food show that is on uh, every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on the east side uh, for WEQY, the community radio station. Please involve yourself with the with the conversation. We have a really great guest in the booth with us. Uh, we're going to talk. We'll be talking on a very um, important subject, ones that uh, even right now, uh, while we're going through this pandemic um, the, and the situation of the coronavirus, uh, food insecurities. Uh, and it is a somber topic, but again, it's more educational. You'll learn some information about how it's affecting us in the, not only the Twin Cities, but in America overall. But first and foremost, again, I want to thank you for um, being or for joining us on the show or with us on the show. Um, let me follow up by giving you the telephone number so that you'll have the opportunity to call in, which is 651 651- Two zero zero thirty four seventy nine. Once again, that is six five one two zero zero thirty four seventy nine. Please feel free to reach out to us here at the station. Um, definitely follow us on um, you know the various social medias: Facebook, which is the Unbougie Foodie; Instagram is the underscore Unbougie Foodie; uh, and of course, Twitter is at Unbougie Foodie. Uh, I really just want to jump right in and uh, introduce our guests. Um, again, as I mentioned, we are talking on the subject of food insecurities and its effect uh, in America. Um, but we have Chef Manuel uh, Perez Winston on with us live. <laughs> so thank you so much, Chef, for being here. Uh, I want to allow you to give more of an introduction on what you do and um, then we'll go directly into the information regarding the statistics statistics excuse me on food insecurities in America so if you could tell you know our listeners uh, a little bit more about you 
Why, thank you for having me. Well, my name is Manuel Perez Winston. I go by Manny in the workplace. Um, born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, been working in the industry for, oh, I say the last 20 years. Um, came up through the industry the old school way, dishwasher, worked my way up, proved myself. Um, Worked for various companies around the Twin City, a couple catering companies, um, numerous restaurants, um, cutting my teeth and learning the business. Um, now I currently have a small catering business called Sheer Taste. Um, I'm working on a hot sauce product line that I plan to launch soon. Um, There'll be a regular version of that hot sauce and a vegan option as well because I know the Twin Cities is having uh, more and more vegans, more people that are becoming more health conscious and trying to be more aware of what they eat and put in their body. Exactly. Um, Right now, I'm currently also working for Appetite for Change that's in a partnership with... um, Central Kitchen Minnesota to help make food for families that are less fortunate in time of need of the whole COVID thing. Um, what else can I think of? Um, <laughs> no. That's, like that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Um, I do volunteer service time to time at Provision Community Restaurant, um, which before the pandemic was a up pay as you can concept which was a family style right um i was usually there on wednesdays um yeah that's pretty much about it no that's perfect (laughs) no i appreciate that um you talked about you mentioned about um provision and i think uh, we've known each other a little bit um, before then, and I learned about you, you being at Provision. Um, I know that things have changed, but can you tell us a little bit more about what Provision, when you were there, what you, what the organization was actually doing and its purpose? So, the director Anna Winky is the creator and founder of Provision Community Restaurant. Um, she spent a lot of time volunteering before. The whole idea of provision came um, into into fruitation, I'll say. Okay. Um, It's her baby. Um, Basically what it is is bringing people together through family-style meals. So um, it helps um, be an icebreaker to have them difficult conversations about Whatever it may be, like, um, whether if it's a loss of a loved one, um, something going on in the neighborhood, um, the current state of the political environment. Exactly. Um, just, you know, just an icebreaker for any type of conversation that someone might have. Maybe it's just someone that doesn't really have anybody that they can talk to. Provision would be that outlet to not only have a, a home cooked meal, um, but maybe make a friend, sit down with complete strangers, 
and at the end of the meal maybe make a new friend or you know just get something off your chest and that's pretty much what the concept is understood again I know that you changed uh, from that or there has been uh, a move and I don't know I won't say growth but other opportunities have come along but there was a change basically because of what we've been going through this uh, world health crisis and what were my and I'll give my understanding of at that time what I was feeling that um, provision was for the community. It was also for me a place where folks that did not have food in there accessible to certain foods, or or maybe at a time, or maybe there's a family that was missing out on a meal. Provision also provided a place where they could at least come there and get a meal. Uh, I was, if I'm not mistaken, it, was it on a donation basis or pay as you can or it's, something? If it's basically pay as you can, but if you can't, that's fine too. We just wanted people to show up because if you're not getting the nutrients at home, um, it's basically an outlet to at least get one meal a day. And there's other services advertised there to maybe you weren't aware of or didn't know about, um, you know, certain resources to where you could somewhat network, you could volunteer if you chose to do that. Okay. Um, it was, no, it's a, it sounded like a great organization. And is it still going on? It's still going. Okay. So what they did is they sort of changed the model instead of family style meal. Cause obviously through COVID, we can't have that. No. So it's basically, um, they just changed it so lunch is basically to go. Um, I want to say it's from 11 to 1 where you can go to provision and pick up a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much where they're at with the meal plan as far as giving away meals right now. Understood. Um, everything is um, donation based. Um before the whole COVID thing, um, they were getting a lot of donations from sewer co-op, a couple um, private donations through people just be like, hey, I want to donate this, rather if it's food, money, you know, just to try to be a part of it. Right. So... This echo. <laughs> it's very odd. Anyway, um, when moving into or having the COVID situation, uh, this was a conversation that is for the past, I guess, few weeks and shows that you know I've been discussing. We've seen organizations, they've shifted their priorities to be food banks or um, where they're people are gathering and donating food. There are food distribution, uh, maybe it would be at a school, at a park. Um, just as an example, I think um, Pimento Jamaican Kitchen was one place that you know folks would come and donate. Uh, areas in uh, Northeast St. Paul, excuse me, um, Northeast Minneapolis, they had a number of schools as well as organizations such as I think Just a Position just a position 
uh, arts that, again, uh, had a space where people could come and donate food uh, of various types and necessities for families that could then come there and say, hey, um, you know, I'm in need or they don't really have to explain all of that. But again, for me, that was more of we're in this time of people don't know where their next meal are going to come from. And I think it's a good transition, uh, even though using that as this talking point, how is how do you feel that that's actually affected? We could start wide and then come a little bit closer to home with neighborhood. But just how does that food insecurities affect America? I think it affects America a great deal. Um, so much. Um, right now, if we don't get this COVID-19 under control, right. um, we might be looking at depression 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever your political belief is, whatever party you follow, um, the mass thing is very important because it keeps the the spread of COVID-19 down. Now, rather if you choose to believe that or not, that's your own opinion. But understand, if you don't wear a mask, you have a high potential or possibility to get a family or a loved one sick. Rather if it's your grandma, your significant other, if you have children, grandchildren, whoever. Um... I don't think no one really wants that guilt no. on their hands. Um, it's not a lot, but some people just really need to get out of denial and do what they need to do, be responsible. Not only just not think about themselves, think about the people around them. Even if they like them or not, it's all about humanity. Understood. Like... I'm pretty sure everybody's been watching the news unless you've been living under a rock. Like, rather if you watch Fox News or CNN, everybody's seen the numbers. Of course. Those are those are not some made-up numbers. Listen to the science. It's it, uh, the, the most basic way I can put it, you boil a pot of hot water on the stove. Someone comes along and tells you, oh, that's not hot. And you stick your hand in it and burn it. Don't be a fool. Use common sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you I, know, one of many famous kitchen phrases in the kitchen is common sense is not common. Right. Because it's there, but not everybody practices it. Definitely. So really touching on maybe the statistics of America. I know that you had some numbers that you really wanted to share and I wanted to uh, definitely provide you a platform um, you know, to share that to, with the community. But one that I thought was really interesting, and again, because we're talking about America in general, you were talking or you mentioned to us about uh, I, uh, was it North, was it North Carolina or was 
Oh, Mississippi. Mississippi. I'm so sorry. So I, I was gonna say Louisiana. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, but Louisiana is close to almost being next to Mississippi and being dead last. Okay. So the state of Mississippi has over forty percent of their residents food insecure. Um, literally, Hines County in Mississippi is a population of sixty-one thousand. They have more people food insecure than the whole state of North Dakota, which is very alarming and shocking. Um, so, I mean, when it's when you think about, oh, I've used the term or, or phrase, and it's probably popular in communities that are focused on. Finding food that's accessible for individuals in whatever neighborhood. So I'm talking about food deserts, uh, food apartheid. Uh, you know, oftentimes folks are confused by that. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, there are areas within either neighborhoods, cities, states where, you know, we there were groceries at one point and they're no longer there. Or... There aren't any groceries, and folks have to rely on their neighborhood market or small market that doesn't always have the most nutritious food. It has some, but you, when you have a family of three, four, whatever, you know, you could only, there's only so much that you're able to do. You're very limited on what you're able to uh, uh, obtain. And knowing that, okay, well, there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we could only probably do breakfast and then maybe dinner you know during those times what exactly is a person to do what are families what are heads of households supposed to do in those instances so some of the things that I would suggest and it might not work for everybody mm. is if you have access to the internet because mm. believe it or not in 2020 not everybody still has access to the <laughs> internet very true <laughs> I would look at if it's your family or maybe it's one or two other families look at um, public garden plots. Like there's public garden plots that range from, I found some in South St. Paul where it's 15 by 20 for $35 a year. There's others that run $50 a year. That would be a way to cut costs on produce because we all know there's not like a Whole Foods a Lund's or organic right. grocery store, quote unquote, in the inner city or the hood. That's affordable too. Yeah, right <laughs> and that's that's done on purpose. No. Um, the other thing is too, like the McDonald's, the Wendy's dollar menu. Yeah, I understand it. You got to feed your family, but it's not the most healthy and it's not the most nutritious food that you can give growing children, right. let alone yourself, you you have to start looking at food as medicine mm. because you only get one body and you should be particular what you're putting in your body. It's like an alcoholic. If all an alcoholic does is drink, eventually his body or her body is going to start to shut down. Mm. First it's going to be the kidneys, then the liver. And that's sort of how you got to, you know, look at certain stuff. Sometimes you just got to take a step back and 
reevaluate, be like, yeah, I really don't feel like cooking or I really can't afford this. Is this the most healthiest choice for me? You know, five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Right. No, it's a good point. Feel free to jump in at any time. Um, well, no, I'm, I'm a, right. That You're echo is a bit yeah, disjointed. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm really just taking it all in. Um, this is not a field that I'm particularly, you know, well read on. So I'm really just taking the opportunity to hear what you have to say and really kind of learn. I'm not well read either, but that's why you, you better read than me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have, you know, we, we do, here. we do, we do research, and then we have individuals such as Chef Manuel that comes on the show that you know he really is in the food mm-hmm. industry, so he is aware of. I mean, as a chef or just a person that is in the culinary world, it, it's something that's constantly on your mind. Am I am I correct about that? Yes. Like food, here I'll go even take a step back. Mm-hmm. As far as food goes, how how many people can like you know go back through their memories and growing up as a kid and remember their grandfather or their grandma, whether they call their big mama or right. you know whatever setting them they had for their grandparents and remember going in the backyard and having a garden. How many kids growing up, if you're from Minnesota, wherever, growing up and learning how to garden? And then look now. Right. It, it does, it's non-existent. Yeah. You know, we're going to bring this a little bit closer to home. Uh, and I know that I talked to, I mentioned it um, about the post I made a post on it and mentioned some just a brief statement that uh, I'll say the um, Twin Cities Pioneer Press had had, um, did a bit of research on uh, and I'll just read that statement more Minnesota residents will lack access to sufficient food in coming months in wake of a disruptive uh, economy amid the coronavirus pandemic Food assistance needs will peak in September, that's September of this year, to 735,000 Minnesota residents who are food insecure. And that's, you know, just released very recently, I think in June, June 24th, um, 2020, by Second Harvest Heartland. Um, We know that they are an organization that is really focused on making sure that um, you know, no kid left hungry. Uh, families uh, they have the the food or have access to food in their neighborhoods. Um, they do the research. They study about that. But I mean, what do you think about that number? You know, being so close to home here in Minnesota and what we have been, I guess, dealing with. <laughs> And and I say that too because, yes, there are other cities that have uh, maybe have uh, you know I don't want to be the negative, but the looting and so forth, where grocery stores are kind of like all you know this was the neighborhood grocery store. What now? Now we have to travel. We don't have one. We've now got to travel to someplace else where I don't really have transportation or my transportation is very limited. What am I going to do? 
And as you mentioned, with the coronavirus, um, we don't know where that is going to be in however long. What do we? What is a person supposed to do in these instances? So let's talk. Touch on the looting first. And this is my own personal opinion. Right. And anybody can agree or disagree, but the first thing is what happened to George Floyd was horrific. I personally could not watch the video mm. because I've seen it so many times played yes. over in our community. Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing is the model with the numbers. That's a model. Mm. Um, it's probably going to be much worse. Wow. Um, what I would strongly suggest is look at these websites and these um, nonprofit organizations like Minnesota Food Justice, Minnesota mm -hmm. Central Kitchen, your local food shelf. Um, Things that you can freeze that can last a couple months in the freezer. Um, I would look at those avenues for options just so you don't wake up one day and be like, oh man, what am I going to feed myself? Right. What am I going to feed my kids? Um, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, don't wait to the last minute. Um, really pay attention to what's going on around you. Understood. So, you know, the article goes on to say that, you know, before the art break, one in 11 Minnesota residents found it hard to, you know, afford any type of food. Um, <laughs> this number, it keeps it keeps changing but there's they're projecting that now it's going to change to one in eight residents by august and maybe because we take advantage of we have cars we probably have easier access to you know public transportation um we don't think of those numbers or they're like oh, that's not me that's uh, i'm not affected by that but you never know. It could be, it could be a, a friend. I mean that that, even though it's not directly affecting you indirectly. I mean this is someone that you care about. So what if what do you do in that instance? I mean I know you can definitely reach out to them, but some folks are they they kind of shy away from telling people their business or feeling like that's very intrusive uh, and invasive. Uh, why are you asking me that? You know, I'm, my family is good. Knowing good and well that they're probably suffering and don't have the access to the food that they really need to feed their family. So let, let's touch on both sides of this coin, whether it affects you directly or indirectly. Mm -hmm. Eventually it's going to affect you directly mm -hmm. because more and more people to get laid off, money's going to get tight for them. Mm -hmm. What usually ends up happening is like, okay, the money's ran out. I got to feed myself or feed my kids. There's no jobs hiring. The only thing I got left to do is start doing illegal stuff. Mm -hmm. Not saying that they should do that or promote that. Right. 
but when in desperate times becomes desperate measures right so crime's gonna go up so if you're out here you know blurting your business hey i just bought a new house you're gonna be a prime target got it like oh yeah i'm still working you're gonna become a prime target mm. especially if you're not having any compassion or empathy like oh that won't it's not affecting me so why should i care well you should care because at the end of the day everybody's human right exactly everybody has emotions and feelings like i just i just feel i come from a space to where if you're doing good even if it's just volunteering mm -hmm. you should try to give back some way if you don't want to volunteer you don't have to you could donate you could donate your time you could donate you know some type of dollar amount whatever it may be that makes you feel comfortable how it does have you experienced that i mean i mean I, i'm gonna make it a bit more personal i don't ask like serious personal questions you know when so, it comes to individuals like affect me as far as the food insecurity or well in regards to it, um folks perhaps volunteering their time or not even donations but I think their time because I know for myself I'm single individual and I have my budget that I have to stick with and so you know I feel like I have to volunteer my time you know what level of volunteer you know is perhaps suggested and that, that's just not for my own education or, or knowledge so I wouldn't necessarily put a time block or amount of oh, how no, no, much no. you should volunteer. Definitely. I just, I feel you should volunteer what you feel comfortable with, but volunteer because you sincerely need it. Don't volunteer because I want to put this on my resume oh, to no. make it look mm -mm. like good for my next employer. No. Volunteer because you actually care about the people that will be affected by you volunteering and you know, the fr the friendships or the conversations that you might make. Because, I mean, honestly, you never know. It might change your life. Right. It's definitely going to change someone else's life if, you know, they're going through a difficult time. And, you know, like earlier in this this conversation, you never, <sighs> you never know what people are going through. Definitely. I, yeah, I find it interesting because... And being very vulnerable right now, um, during that time period of when folks were really out, and I think it was like a couple of weeks into what occurred with George Floyd, it was it was very difficult to be out in the community. I mean, I could only coming to the radio station or sharing an experience or say, hey, this place is sharing some food. This place is, uh, you know, encouraging others to make donations and so forth. For me, that was, I could only volunteer that way only because it was a very triggering situation for me. I mean, in more ways than one. I actually lived through um, the 1992 riots uh, and it was something that 
even prior to what occurred, what happened after George Floyd and, you know, uh, the feelings and emotions that were, you know, riled up. I was talking to friends. I said, this is not going to be good. I mean, it's, it was more of, you saw the writing on the wall, especially if it's something that you've lived through itself. We had the same situation where there were grocery stores. Literally, there were grocery stores that we could walk to and they were there. But once that they were burned and looted and so forth, we literally had to travel five miles within a five mile radius outside of where we were to try to get any type of food. And there were many times where we saw, oh, there was a place, a grocery store that's open and there was a surge of individuals and people trying to get into the parking lots. And, you know, Los Angeles is a certain uh, communities or neighborhoods uh, if you have a grocery store and I'll just use one as an example ABC Market or Safeway or something they had small parking lots and so when you see two or three hundred cars trying to get into a parking lot because they have no food in their communities or in the areas um, it, it was something that was really triggering at when I started to see that and I'm like how do I go go out there and um, and and help, you know. But, but at the same time, you're feeling kind of like, for myself, paralyzed and not knowing what to do. Um, so, it's important to hear, you know, your perspective about what type of volunteer or what you can do. And true enough, you know, there were times where I've mentioned on air about here's an organization that you could. Uh, donate um, both your time as well as funds to so that it could carry on and make sure that individuals in the community have the food that's accessible for them. So I think that was that was just my moment of vulnerability you know with you in regards to that Um, but I, I appreciate your suggestions and because we've seen less of it does not mean that it's no longer there or the need is no longer there because I remember constantly for at least a two or three week time period after George Floyd uh, when folks were doing the organizing every day almost on the hour there was some organization some business that was saying if you need food we're here for you it's lessened now but that doesn't mean that these communities or families are not still experiencing food insecurities. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, so my thoughts on it are this, and we'll go back to the, we'll go back to the looting and the riots. Um, you had some people in there, the, whether if they identify with being white supremacists, hate groups, neo-Nazis, it's all the same thing. They really don't care for minorities. Mm. Um, There's been, you know, newspaper articles and newspaper clippings, you know, so-and-so gets charged with burning down the auto zone. What was it on University in St. Paul? The umbrella guy. On Lake Street. Yeah. Yeah. Lake Street. That uh, at first they were saying he was a St. Paul cop, but then right. St. Paul police they were like, um, "No, he was not." Denied it, and it ended up being a federal investigation, basically. Um, 
the one thing that I have with that whole situation, I really felt the whole message got lost because first it became marching, then it became looting, then it basically just became vandalism, destruction of property. But look where all the destruction of property is happening mm-hmm. in our communities. Exactly. Now we're, you know, was it a couple weeks ago that uh, Governor Walls asked for federal funding to help rebuild it, and he basically got denied. Right. Um, so those neighborhoods where all that happened, that's going to be anywhere from a five-year plan to get that fixed. And it's going to be like pulling teeth. Um, I'll say this much. You almost got to look at it like how the Italians first came over from Italy and how they protected their neighborhoods. Yes. It wouldn't let no one come in there. If you weren't part of that neighborhood, they would run you out of there. Minorities need to take that model and start protecting their neighborhoods and really start looking at the overall picture like is this really good for us right should we really be doing this what's going to be the end result is it going to be positive or negative if it's negative i would strongly suggest and urge staying away from it because there's already in the minority community especially the black communities this whole negative vibe which Every neighborhood has a bad pocket, but not the way most media outlets try to portray it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would strongly encourage working together because you got to look at it like, is this for the the betterment for me, the betterment for my family, or the betterment of my whole community? Mm -hmm. And that's what it should really be about, making the, your community wherever you live stronger. I, I hear you on that. How? And, <laughs> I mean, I, I know just, there is no, you know, there's no real formula. There is no plan. Right. It's really going to come down to neighborhoods and neighbors, like, trying to hash that out amongst each other got it i mean that's i would say the most difficult step is extending the olive branch be like look i seen this right i'm not sure if you're aware of it i'm just letting you know no matter what the situation may be it could be like someone they've never seen in the neighborhood just going in people's mailboxes right at least some, at least that individual, whatever it may be, is taking that first step to be like, "Hey, I'm trying to practice the good neighbor policy." Exactly. Exactly. Can that, and I, I'm not can it, but we know that that could also be the same thing for food too. Exactly. How? And I I ask this question or make this statement very tactfully. Um, how do you do that with someone feeling like 
why are you in my business? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, or, but okay. you know, I would, I would urge don't come off with that right away. Mm. Sort of, you know, take small steps to build up to that. Okay. Maybe an invitation over, yeah, or maybe like, a dish. Just like you hey. know, like maybe after COVID's over, whenever yeah. that is, um, or as I call it, Spanish flu two point oh. <laughs> maybe right. you know. Maybe it's a, a cookout. Okay. Maybe it's a block party. Maybe it's someone announcing like, hey, we know some resources that you may not need them, but you may know someone else that might need exactly. them. And that's how you start that difficult conversation. Because, you know, doing that, you never want to offend anybody. Right. Because they, it could be taken so many, you know, wrong ways. And... You know, if it's taken the wrong way, then instead of you trying to be helpful, then it might come off that you're insulting somebody. And there's a wall being built. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't want to do that because the person that you might be trying to help is going to put up an even bigger wall and be like, oh, I don't like so and so, so I'm not messing with them. Right. Exactly. Hmm. So many different variations of, you know, the solutions. And that's the important part is finding out what solutions we could actually use to counter what we are experiencing in America. And true enough, you don't have to be in someone's family circle or their business, as I put it, <laughs> to you know extend that olive branch or share maybe some, maybe you have excess food. You know, you go to sometimes the farmer's market uh, or even, you know, places like you know these big box or um, stores where okay i'm gonna go get <laughs> something from i'm just gonna use names not because of sponsorship or anything <laughs> but costco or sam's club or something like that and it's like wow i've got like five pounds of potatoes and i only need two <laughs> you know and yeah. i don't want to waste it you know is there somebody you know there's something there is i'm sorry i went off on a tangent because there is like an app or something like that and i'm gonna i mentioned it maybe a few years ago about you know if you have extra food and you know you could actually post out there and say hey you know i have five pounds it might be next door it might be next door, but I think it's specific to food where you are able to actually post and say, hey, I have five pounds of food I uh, or uh, uh, potatoes or whatever, and I, I really don't want it to go to waste. Who needs it? Somebody could come on, you know, post back or reply to you and say, hey, um, you know, is that still available? Maybe we could do an exchange. I got onions or, or whatever. What a way to build in community. I, I know that there's an app. If not, goodness, I'm putting that out there and I probably need to go up. And, but I know it's something out, like that out there. But again, going back to you know building community, if there are resources. Um, last week, uh, my nephew and I, the Ambuji Foodie Jr., <laughs> shared a bunch of resources where individuals, um, if they are having any type of uh, food insecurities or don't feel that they have the accessibility they need to food there are resources here within the community that they could go to uh, call and find out you know when are you available uh, and get really 
substantial amounts of food that could last you quite a while. And the great thing about that is uh, a number of these organizations, they're literally giving you fruits, vegetables, meat, not like these junk food just to kind of like pacify you or say, here's some bag of chips and popcorns and (laughs) things like that. Those are the things that you need. You know, like you meant to your point, um, when you have these foods and if you feel that they are excess, break them down, put them in freezer bags and put them in your freezer or maybe share them with other friends so that they might also have an opportunity to utilize that to feed their family as well. You never know. Or, you know, another, you know, option is too, as well as maybe it's, you know, two families to maybe four families that all go in, yes. go to a, you know, a local farm they know, um, buy a half a cow, half a pig, right. um, and then break it down like that. Um, or maybe it's, you know, going to the local meat market and buy, you know, a big a meat box. package exactly. and be like, well, I don't eat that, you know, sort of have, you know, a verbal deal worked out. And, you know, go that route or, you know, maybe also doing that, maybe they have a big family meal where, you know, the families come together and eat like one or two meals a week. Right. I mean, on that, the options are pretty much unlimited, unlimited. Um, It really depends on the individual or the individual families of how they want to, you know, go about trying to cut some costs and save money to make their their dollar stretch a little bit more than what it is. No, definitely. I don't want to... I know, we're, gosh, we're coming to the end. Of, we were so involved in the conversation. I don't want to leave anyone out there. And, uh, if you have a phone... Uh, excuse me, if you have a phone. If you have a question <laughs> and you want to call in, uh, please feel free to do so. Remember that telephone number is 651-234-79. Um, if, feel free to you know, make a comment, share um, a point. Uh, maybe for the community so that they could, you know, if you have a resource uh, that you're aware of and you'd like to share, you know, this is an opportunity or a platform uh, for which you to do so. Uh, so, again, remember that number is 651-234-79. What is, um, Chef Perez, Chef Manuel, excuse me, um, what is your hope for the future? Um, and I, that size, like a, a that huge... is a vast, big ocean. <laughs> yeah. So, what I would hope, yeah, in my lifetime, is there's less racism, there's more empathy, yeah. more humanity, more caring to the neighbor, the coworker, the stranger you don't know that maybe. By herself, right? Um, you know, one of the phrases that always stuck with me when my grandma was alive that she used to tell me, and she had a lot of little quirky and funny phrases, <laughs> like um, "Don't be a sweet patootie," mm. um, and "You, when you're born, you start to die." Mm. Wow. 
because you're born, um, you become a toddler, you become a school-aged child, a young adult, a middle-aged adult, and when you rate, when you start becoming a senior citizen, if you have really close friends, either you or them start passing away. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, as you're born in this world by yourself, nine times out of 10, you're gonna leave this world by yourself. So with that being said, enjoy and cherish the, the special moments. They may not be special to anybody else. Maybe they're special to you. Right. Really enjoy and savor those moments. Because a lot of times they're few and far in between. Agreed. Agreed. What are... We're going to lighten it a little bit as we come to near a close. But I want to find out... Um, what's your favorite food? <laughs> <laughs> um, to be truthfully honest... Um, I love a lot of curries, um, a lot of pad thai. Okay. Um, obviously a lot of soul food, a lot of Spanish food. Um, those are my, those are pretty much my main staples. Um, but as far as a favorite individual food, Mm -hmm. I really don't have one. Got it. Understood. Uh, any social media or anything that you'd love to share so that folks could um as far as events and stuff that i'm doing around the city you can go to google business at sheer taste um you can go on facebook sheer taste or manny the chef and i usually post stuff on there um that's really about it as far as like you know, sharing ways to um, get in contact with me or trying to see what I'm trying to do. Right. Uh, maybe you mentioned it before, but I'm just going to ask you again. <laughs> uh, what are you doing to kind of survive this COVID situation? Um, taking it one step at a time. Um, trying to keep my sanity. Right. Um, laughed at uh a lot of old Dave Chappelle um, <laughs> stuff when he had his show on Comedy Central. Right. Watching his current stand up, trying to find the humor in things because right now it's not a humorous time. No, I understand. Um, that's pretty much what I tried to do spend time with my kids. That's awesome. Check up on my boys, play with my daughters, um, harass my sons about my granddaughters. <laughs> um, Check up on my mom, my stepdad. Um, let my wife yell at me from time to time. You're funny. Um, are they all? No, within... she doesn't yell at me. But are they all within the Twin Cities? Yep. Okay. All of them are within the Twin Cities. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about. Yeah, it's not important. <laughs> It was it was more on the on the line of okay well what do you personally do in your spare time you know passing the time uh, it, it's kind of kind of told this but you personally if you're alone me, me personally I spend a lot of time in the backyard with my daughters mm-hmm. they're three and two um, 
look at stuff online like everybody else does if it's food um the current state of everything whatever it may be um learning about the stock market more and how it really works okay i'm there um, with you you know daytime investment versus like long-term investments um there's no really perfect formula it's sort of like doing your research you know just be frugal of what you're investing your money in okay um obviously you don't want to invest your whole life savings in a stock and it collapses that would be bad yes um the only one thing I regret about the stock market right now, I should have invested in Tesla when it was under $2,000 a share, when it was more like $600 a share. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, shot up about 1500 bucks a share in um, the last seven, eight weeks. Um, Why do you think that is? The COVID... Um, it's a like um, they do electric cars. Um, they have that contract with NASA. The whole was it the whole SpaceX thing or whatever? Okay. Yeah, they recently made some breakthroughs in some uh, lunar modules. They managed yep. to send them and bring them back accurately, oh. making some Mars strides as well. Okay. Yeah, because you know the big thing is by 2030 is have a, a rocket or a, a space vessel to go to Mars and back. And how old am I going to be? Uh, uh, way too old. Yes, I don't think I'll be interested in doing that. Um, really. I'm definitely not going. No. You couldn't pay me because there, there's going to be so many unknowns. Well, oh, come on, guys. Where's your sense of adventure? Well, it'll be kind of like, what? Lost in Space, the movie, you know, where they're like, they take off and it's like, oh, we're going to be able to come back or, you know. My my sense of adventure would be having a glass of wine or a nice, a nice cognac with a premium cigar. Watching like, which I see yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like they, they show messed up, or yeah. I'm glad they made it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question: the, How are you feeling about the whole restaurant situation right now? It's it's horrible. Like so, so many of my coworkers and former coworkers are out of work. Unless, mm-hmm. unless you can find um, a position where you get classified as a essential food worker or working at a restaurant that's like, hey, for all customers, you cannot enter here unless you have a face mask on. Right. Um, and you're abiding by all the rules set in place, um, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Understood. Because, like, everybody's seen all the articles, and, like, just here alone, like, bring me the news, like, I think it was one article where, it's a couple weeks back, where Stella's Fish House, was it the, the college club, I think on the U of M campus or out or in Mankato, they had a spike in COVID-19 cases because they're drinking. So if you're drinking, you're not practicing social distancing. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, everybody knows when you're a young adult and, you know, pre-COVID, you, you go out to the bar, to the club, and you're like, hey, I'm going to have a good time. And then alcohol gets involved right. and you don't make the best decisions, the best or the smartest decisions. Oh, I get it. And that wasn't to end on a, a negative note. I wanted to just kind of get your your thoughts on that. You know, again, as a person in the culinary industry, I know many. Uh, I don't. I won't say I know a huge circle of individuals, but the ones that I do know, um, they, you know, have those same sentiments, uh, and you know, they're trying to make it. So. You know, I ask that question, too, because sometimes we always look to the individuals that seem to have, we think seem to have all the answers, but we got to ask them, how are they doing, too? You know, what's going on in their lives? You know, how are they making it through, you know, sometimes, you know, it may not be at that exact moment that they're going to fully express themselves about how they're feeling, but at least getting them an opportunity to to share or so forth you know that was kind of like i was hoping <laughs> yeah i mean to be truthfully honest the only way we're gonna make it through this especially the restaurants that are are operating right now mm-hmm. making very sound and smart decisions um obviously you know doing all their checks down that operational covid yeah. list like you know Wearing your mask all the time, you know, being aware where you're at, um, make sure you're cleaning, you know, high surface areas. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that got cabin fever, mm-hmm. but you got to ask yourself, is it really worth me taking that trip and exposing myself? And my family and yeah. other friends and so forth. No, because... You might be doing everything that you could possibly do under the sun to protect you, protect your loved ones, but then you go on a vacation and go somewhere else. You don't know what other people are doing. No, understood. On that note, Chef Manuel, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all the information that you shared. You're welcome to come back here anytime. You know that. I hope you know. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you all so much for sitting down with us. As you know, we've come to the end of the show, but I want to thank you again. And remember, as always, never let anyone tell you what type of food you need to be because really it is about the food and the strength that we are as a community. Until next time. Sit down with the Unbougie Foodie.